Recently, David had a chance to see the Rolling Stones in concert, first time back since COVID. It's insane to think they've been rocking out since 1962. Math has never been my strong suit, but according to my calculations, that's a career that spans 59 years and counting. Some people may not know that David is a rabid rocker, but those closest to him know that he has a deep and profound love of classic rock. On today's show, we're talking about all manners of groups, including the longevity of the Rolling Stones, how they continue to do what they do at such a high level and commitment, and what they have meant to the history of music. We'll also share our favorite acts of all time, some epic concert experiences, and what made them, well, rock. Live music is back, baby, so let's check this one out. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Doing it. All right, we're talking music today. How about that? The bones. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about stones. We're going to talk about all manners of things today. I think this is important because, you know, I think the the rabid listeners out there, they, they probably know you like music, but they want to know maybe where your love of music came from. Was there someone you were around, your came family, or where'd that, where'd that come from? <laughs> um, so it was a very interesting mix because I was born in the mid-60s, so the two, the, the, the two number one genres of music that I was exposed to was 50s, but more Motown. Okay. Because my mother and father loved Motown. My dad grew up with the Buckinghams on the south side of Chicago, okay? They, they were huge Motown fans. Okay. And I had cousins that were a little older than me that were into the whole late 60s movement, right? So anything from, from the hippies to the flower power, to, you know, um, uh, uh, the Beatles and the Stones and, the, you know, the whole British invasion. Sure. Uh, you know, I was a huge Zeppelin fan. So, But everything in that time frame was just genius. Whether it was coming out of the Beat Society and you had Bob Dylan and you had Ginsburg and there was so much creativity that you couldn't turn a corner without bumping into somebody who was into something and being exposed to something. So that's kind of how I was exposed to it. Did you have music in your house? Did, yes. Yeah? Yes. My, like I said, my mom, big on the Motown. Records. Right? Playing. Yeah, playing all, all the time. She had, a, she had an old wooden stereo yeah. that stood up, you know, and she would stack them up. She also had a, a, she had a golden rack that had 45s on it, and the oh, albums were damn, on the bottom. yeah. So she would play those, you know, and I remember, like, if she wanted to have a romantic night with my father, it would be the candles would be low, sure. and she would have the Motown on Johnny Mathis or whatever, and, and the, the, all these old, these these um, 1970, like, twinkle lights or mm-hmm. whatever. And I remember that, and it's like it was, it was, it was also a, an experience, not just the music, but, like, you're experiencing the environment. And then I had cousins that were so huge into the new stuff that was coming down the pike, which my parents weren't so much, but... At that time, there weren't a lot of genres that you could put on in the car. So this is, my early years is before FM really took off. So it was AM radio, radio. mono, right? And in Chicago, it was WLS. 
And then a few years into that, there were then two rock stations. It was 95.5 WMET, the Mighty Met, and then 98.5 or 95 and 95.8, the, uh, the Loop. Okay. And the, the, the Met, the, the Mighty Met crashed out. I still have a T-shirt from then. But oh my God. the Loop's still there, you know, sure. and it's the, it's the big rock station. Um, in the area, but it was, th- but that's what it was forever. So it was, and, and then you still had WLS, which carried for a long time on the AM side. Nice. Any uh, eight tracks in there anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Is that a big yeah, deal? Did, Got to have the eight tracks. I wasn't heavy into eight tracks, and, and here's the reason why. Cracks me up. So I had, I had albums like the thirty-three and a half. I mean, my mom had seventy-eights. There was a lot of stuff. She had some like Duke Ellington and oh, Ella Fitzgerald. And there was some stuff there that, that carried through. My my father liked Monk. Um, uh, my grandparents had some stuff. They were, they were you know, they kind of liked like uh, Frank Sinatra. So I w- there was that playing in the house, that type of stuff. My grandmother was a classical pianist. So I, and I had a whole, you know, so I would hear Bach and Beethoven and Vivaldi and, and all of this stuff kind of like on the side, but then, as the '70s started to go through, it seemed—I'm I'm sure it wasn't exactly like this—but I went from albums to then a tracks popped up, but cassettes took over too fast. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I had maybe 50 a tracks for a while, cassettes became so much easier because you could record on them. Right. You could carry them in your pocket. They you were could have a shoebox. Quarter of the size. Quarter of the size. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I mean. You didn't have to hit that four track clicking over, over, and over yeah. in order to find the song, but then it was three songs in on the track, and you... It was a pain in the ass. It was a pain in, I mean, A-Track was just not very functional system. Yeah, well, I think you kind of just answered this, but I'm going to ask it again, because I'm going to follow up with my own version of this, but what is your earliest memory of being transported through the power of music? Like, when you when you close your eyes, it sounds like you were around a musical family. It sounds like in every household, whether it was grandparents or even your own house, there was some sort of music playing. You could probably close your eyes and you could smell the, you know, the spaghetti on the stove or whatever it might be. Is there is there a moment where you remember thinking... Wow, this is really interesting. This music is taking me places. So it's, it is. This is an interesting question. So, all of my young childhood, I loved music, and I loved all kinds of music. But I didn't understand what it meant to be moved by something until I heard. So let me let me paint let me paint this picture. Let's have it. I was probably how old was I? Ten, eleven. I think I was, so that would have been 76, so this would have been 70, 77, I think, 77, about 77. I'd have been 11, between 11 and 12 years old. I was camping. We used, we used to go camping all the time when I was young, especially in the summertime, like every other weekend. So we're up in this campground in Wisconsin, up by Pete and Well. Um, it's me, my father, my brother, my parents had just gotten divorced. My aunt, my uncle, and my two cousins are up there. So me and my one cousin were the oldest. So we could step around the campfire. And we step around the campfire. We'd always sneak a couple of beers from from my my uncle. As one must. And he really had the music. He was, because he's a year and a half older than me. So he had, he he was a little more musically um, attuned than I was. And he put on... Led Zeppelin's first album, the song How Many More Times. Okay. And something changed in my body. Really? Yeah. I do think it was kind of like when you have the experience of your sexuality 
and your testosterone and the rock and roll and the beat, like it all comes together. And it was, it was, it was an experience that I'd never had before. Sure. I transcended something. My life changed that night. And I listened to it over and over. And even today, when I listen to that song, it takes me right back to that place. I could take you to the exact spot, T, in that campground, which is not a campground anymore, but I know exactly yeah. where we were. And I could show you exactly where I was sitting when I heard that song. Everything in my life changed from that point. It was, it was like, it, you know, it was like a religious experience. Everything changed. And it was just that one song that changed it. Then my palate expanded mm -hmm. greatly. Sure. Because, I, you know, when you're younger, you're not, you're not necessarily getting the hard stuff or the deeper lyrics at the time. But as you start to go through puberty, something's changing inside of you. Yeah, chemically. And yeah, and I was experiencing sure. that. and But I was exposed to really profound lyrics and poetry and everything at a young age, just didn't have any idea what it meant. And then this happens, and I start to understand at a physiological level something completely different. And that was that was it from there. Then I was, I was hooked. I've been a junkie ever since. Isn't it cool how you can put on a song right now, if we had that album here and you put it on, you could instantly be transported. I think yes. that was the whole idea behind my conversation because when I hear like Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce, I can remember sitting in my shabby little trailer house on the floor. My dad's got his A-track out. He used to take yes. his A-track and put it in the closet and only took it out when he had people over for drinks, which we didn't host that often. It's a big deal. It's an it event. Was a huge, it's an event. It was a huge deal, but he would put it in and play it. And I just remember thinking this beautiful song coming out of this weird box. And then, and then to go from that to like ABBA was just mind blowing because I was thinking to myself, I can remember what that was like. And, you know, when Jim Croce, Bad Bad Leroy Brown would come on and my dad would start tapping his toe or whatever, and I would just lose my shit. That, and I was little. I was much littler yeah. then. I mean, but what a great poet and songwriter totally, Croce was. Absolutely. And you go through, and, and I didn't grow up in a musical household, so when the 8-track was out, you knew that there was an event about to happen. And I think as I've gone older... I still don't listen to a ton of music, but I, I did go through a CD phase and I was buying everything and I got the Columbia House 8 for a penny situation and all this music was coming in. And then you would just, but I, all that to say you can get transported. It takes so you was back that, there so immediately. What, so what was the song for you? Was it Time in a Bottle? The song for me was Time in a Bottle and Bad, Bad Leroy Brown Leroy by Jim Leroy Croce. Yeah. I love that shit, even when it comes on right now. And, you know, Steph, of course, grew up in a huge musical household. So we're all, she's always listening yes. to music now. Yes. I am not, I didn't grow up that way, but I love how it can take you places. It's just so magical. Yes. Um, so I assume you're proud of your vinyl collection. I know you've got quite a few vinyls. Yes. What are some of your favorite albums? Um, well, so after that happened, after that experience happened, I I didn't know who Led Zeppelin was, but I had to go out and buy every album that they had. And I didn't know the names of anything, right? So it wasn't like you could look it up on the internet. Right. You, it was, it was, this was an experience now, right? This is, this is a rite of passage as, sure. a, as a teenage boy or a teenage girl. You're going to, to the record store, you know? You're going to Tower Records or whatever it was in your neighborhood. And you're like, you're thinking about this song in your head. And I literally went up to the guy, and I said, um, I know that this is by Led Zeppelin because that's what my, my cousin told me, but I don't know the name, but here's part of the lyric. And you sang it right there in the studio? Well, let me finish. <laughs> so the part of the lyric, the guy says, that's not Zeppelin. He says, that's Whole Lotta Rosie by ACDC. And I'm like, 
It is. And he says, oh, yeah. He says, absolutely. He says, like that, that because, because it's when Plant goes, oh, Rosie, yeah. oh, girl, right? That's all I could remember. It's the lyric, right? Was that one lyric? And he's like, no, no. He says, that's not Zeppelin. He goes, that's a whole lot of Rosie uh, by ACDC. So I'm like, okay. So I get, he goes, well, let me show you. And he gets it, puts it out. I'm like, no, that's not the song. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get that that's what they're singing, but that's not the song. He's like, well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So now I start buying album after album after album, listening to the song, trying to find out what the song was. On the hunt. Right? On the hunt. And I don't know, I think about three albums at first, and I finally, like, of course, it was the first album, which was the last one that I went on, you know, and I finally found it. I'm like, yes, I found it. And yeah. then, but but that was it. So then I got all of them. But then I became, then it became for for me, it was... I would I was falling in love with the music, with the artists, what they were saying, what the what it what the lyrics meant to me, what the music meant to me. As I was, you know, going through all of those individual stages, and the, the different songs meant different things at different times. It was almost like symbolic of you're going through something. Yeah. Maybe it's your first love, or it's the right. first time you had sex, or. Do you remember what you were listening to the first? Were you listening oh, to anything the first time you had sex? It was probably crickets because it was in the woods. So <laughs> there you go, right? So so there's different things though that you that you listen to. I yeah. remember when I when I first heard like so even before Zeppelin, it was Pink Floyd, and I was mm-hmm. listening to you know like Dark Side of the Moon, sure. and you know all different kinds of stuff came out. So I you know when people say to me, "Do I have a favorite?" I don't. Probably my favorite band is Zeppelin, with like the Stones being right behind that. But there's there's virtually nobody I don't like. I also have a huge punk part of me. Like I love the Ramones mm-hmm. and Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Sure. Like um, uh, when you think about some of the cutting edge stuff that a lot of those early punk bands were doing, when Blondie was on the edge and stuff. It all meant something different to me. So I don't have favorites, so to speak. I have moods. I would say that that's probably more accurate. Like, I will be in the mood for something for a while. And I will, like, listen to nothing but Zeppelin for maybe three weeks. And then maybe I will listen to... Like, I also have, like, summer moods. Like, there's a big summer-fall thing that I go through with the Stones. And there's a fall... I have a fall... uh, uh, um, um, I'm uh, like a uh, 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 an attraction to certain Zeppelin songs in the fall, and there's other music at certain periods of time in in my life or throughout the year. If I want to get really jazzed for something, like there's certain music I will listen to before I go on stage. Like pump up, you know, pump up yeah, some pump up, up music, some something that really moves me sure. emotionally. You know, I will listen to it in my hotel room before I go on stage or in my headphones or or whatever. Um, in the car, um, it changes my mood dramatically. I mean, I could be recognized like I'm in a fucking shitty mood right now. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to put this on and I'll put it on and just crank it, takes it up, you right out, you know, and it's, um, it's it. It's yeah. everything's changed Absolutely. in the moment. So, I mean, whether it's Hendrix or Creedence Clearwater Revival, or you're talking about, like a Bruce Springsteen, yeah. or you're looking at somebody like, um, man, I just, my mind goes to so many different places. There's, it's vast. Mott the Hoople. Yeah, or you go, right. yeah like, I mean, yeah. I, all the young dudes, you know, like, or you or you go to, um, uh, 
man, I'm going to forget his name. It'll, it'll, sure. it'll, it'll come to me. Like James Taylor. Yeah. Right. It's just, you're, you're, you're all over genres, but that's okay. They, oh, Jesus. The Eagles. Like, well, we went to the Eagles oh, together. We, we saw him in what? Pittsburgh? We yes. were in Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. We were like up in unreal. Philly. We were up yeah. in Philly and Joe that was Walsh, freaking the James my mind. Gang. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. You could sit here and list artist after artist. That's either rock and roll. It could be soft rock. It could be friggin' reggae. It could be bossa nova. It could be I jazz. Have, I like, have something by most everybody. You name it, yeah. You know, totally. not as much the newer stuff today, yeah. But probably up through the grunge area for yeah, sure, you know. Sure. And I do have a lot of hip hop. I just don't keep up with it as much as I used to. I like music that means something. Right. I mean, I suppose like if you were out dancing or something like that, it, it, it would be one thing if you were like just looking for the beat or something sexy or fun or whatever. But I like music that means something, and you just don't hear it as much anymore. No, more. you don't. Even the even the 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 early to mid rap, I mean, there was deep stuff in those lyrics, in those beats, you know. But when it's just for dancing, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but it's for dancing or it's for fucking. And yeah, it, and it doesn't it doesn't move you like some <clears throat> songs have been known to do. Like, you know yes. when you're listening to a song and you start to well up a little bit, you're like, wow, this is hitting me in a way that not many songs can. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I love, well, I'm sitting here, like, sorry, I'm distracted. I'm over here looking at pictures of Debbie Harry. As soon as you said friggin' Blondie, I was like, I'm going to The one that's quick. in my basement? Oh my God, I yeah, love that picture. That's a hot picture. All right, well, while we're there, let's talk about the Stones. Since I know you're a huge fan, you recently saw them in a huge packed outdoor stadium here in Charlotte. What is it about the Stones that hits you right in the chest? What is it? Because you did put them right behind Led Zeppelin as your 1A, 1B type favorite. Okay. You're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody as prolific as Mick and Keith. 100%. 1962, they start. They've had hits every freaking decade, okay? That blows my mind. Next year, 60 years, they're playing live. That's insane. I have respect for them for almost every possible reason you can imagine. And I would think that it's, for me, it's the only per celebrity of any kind that I do. Um, number one, their work ethic is unreal. It's unreal. Every time I think to myself, well, this is probably the last year. It's not the last they year. Roll right right? Out now, do I don't again. know if they're waiting to make it to 60, like if they're going to be like 60 and right. do it. But I thought, so I bought tickets, as you know, um, just before COVID hit. Right. And we paid $12,000 for those front row seats, right? It was four, it right. was four tickets. I don't pay that much for any concert, right? I mean, I, I do it for the Stones because I really enjoy that. It was a big deal to me when I was a kid because when we were kids, we didn't have any money and we were always in the nosebleed seats or like if we were out and like if we were in uh, East Troy, Wisconsin, we were up on the hill, right. you know, with, on, the, on the ski hill to watch because we didn't have any money. Sure. So that, you know, when I, when, if I'm ever successful, I want to be able to buy front row seats for any concert that I want to go see that means a lot to me. And the Stones are one of those concerts that it doesn't matter to me what I spend. I spent the same amount of money and had to fly halfway across the country to go see him, yeah. like at Bronco sure. Stadium or something. Um, but I thought, so, so then, so then the, the COVID things hit and I'm like, oh shit, like, is this gonna, is this, could this COVID out gonna last, outlast them? And then they're talking about coming back, but Charlie Watts has, his cancer comes right. back and he dies. And I'm like, oh fuck. Like he's, he's a, a made member, yeah. you know, is that going to be it? Nope. Nope. No, no, they're still, they're going to go out and do it anyway. Right. And it's like their commitment to what they do, 
you know, and I hate it when somebody says, well, why do they do it? They don't need the money. Or maybe they do need the money. It's like, no, they do it because this is what they love to do. Right. And they put on, you know, Mick Jagger, 78 years old. And last week when I watched him, I'd put him up there with anybody for two hours. You know, is he the same as when he was 25 or 30? No. But the guy didn't stop moving for right. two hours. You know, I mean, he danced. He sang. He looks fantastic. They all actually look pretty damn good for their age. They're having a great time up there. Musically, they sound fantastic. They've the, the set has toned down a bit, but their voices. I mean, sure. they're seventy years, eight years old, yeah. right? So they've had to tone it down a, a little bit. But what a show! I mean, absolutely. I've seen them almost every year now for the longest time, with the exception of COVID. And it's just, it's, I look forward to it. It is so much fun. Yeah. It is just so much fun. And they take you through the episodes of your entire life. It's like a, like a real soundtrack to somebody my age or sure, your age's sure, life. Sure, sure, sure. These songs go back, well, they go back before you were yeah, born totally. and before I was born. Yeah. I was born in 66. These guys started in 62. Right. Right. And who'd have thought that they would still be year touring? Year year. Touring. Yeah. They just made a new album. That's amazing. Right? You know, um, so so it's so so it's a it's that's what it is for the stone. It's the work ethic. It's the business totally. of it. It's the professionalism. It's the it's the unbelievable creativity. It's the bond between Mick and Keith, the creative, charismatic, muse type relationship that comes out for them to create some of the most amazing music that the world has ever known, and the humanity of going through life as they have, you know, Keith being a junkie for 10 years. And I mean, people still think he's a junkie, but he hasn't been a junkie since 1980. Right. right. But the drug issues, the, the, the women issues, the, oh, you know, the police, the being arrested issue, like all the issues that they've had, they're human fucking beings that went through life and they did something productive with it. And they right. continue to do it. And their philosophy is, if I can get on that damn stage and do what I do, I'm going to do it because that's why I'm here. And there's almost nothing in life I respect more than that. Yeah. Every time I see Keith or Mick, up, it's Mick mostly because Mick's moving the most. But even Keith, at their ages, doing what they do, I think to myself, there is no excuse for anybody. Right. Any, I mean, there is a youth that comes through them because of their choice to do what they do. I'm sure that they would be just as old in appearance and movement as anybody else if they chose to sit down in a fucking rocking chair and not do another damn thing. Sure. And I just, I, I think we need so much more. We, we need role models like that. We're, we're, forget about, who cares about the drugs? I mean, right. it, it doesn't matter. We need role models of people like that with the excellence to their craft of what they do and the commitment to do it and not just be like, well, I'm going to bug out as soon as I'm 45 or what, you know. I mean, back then it was like, don't trust anybody that's older than 30, right. you know, back in their day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the commitment, their commitment to the craft is unparalleled. You will not find a you more won't. prolific band than that. You the won't. fact that they continue to do it on, I love that you bring in the argument, you know, people say they don't need the money. That's not why they're doing it. They're fully expressed individuals yes. that are out there doing what they love and they'll do it until they die. Yes. I mean, there, there's no reason you have to stop. Listen, and you and I important. know what it's like to be on the road for an extended yes, period of time. Yes. Can you imagine at their age what it's like to 
could be on the Blows goddamn road for oh my half God. a year doing a hundred shows. Totally, I it would it, I I would lose my mind. I, I go out. I I once did two three weeks on the road consistently or four <laughs> weeks, and I was done. I was ready to get home. Not only that, but the I won't say infighting, but the you people start rubbing you the you wrong do. way. They it's do. amazing yes. these people have been together nearly sixty years, and they haven't killed, and each, they other. Haven't killed each other. They haven't friggin' gone through extended breakups or left. And I'm doing this, and I'm doing my own thing, and all this other thing. You go down the line of all these bands. There's a shelf life, and to be able to go as long as they have at the high level, they're doing it. I mean, shit blows you away. Yeah, it blows. And you Ronnie away. has been with them since '75. Yeah, you know he was with Rod Stewart and Faces before that. You Man. know, and he Ronnie just gets more amazing every year. Yeah. You know, they're they're. I I mean, from everything that I've read, they don't like hang out like buds anymore sure. when they're off. But these are grown men that are great grandparents at, at this. Place, <laughs> right. You know. And listen, if I'm on the road with you for 100 days a year, oh. we're probably not going to see each other exactly. when we're off. You know, exactly. like, totally. You know, that's the deal. Well, and I think the beauty of it is, is they're not mailing it in. They're not just showing up they and doing, you know, they're, they're just in. sitting there playing. I mean, these guys are giving you a show. They are entertainment at the top level. So I was glad you were able to see it, which made me think, you know, you love going to concerts. This is the first time you've been to a concert clearly a since, yeah, since COVID dropped. So what are some acts that you saw live that completely blew you away and some of the experience that stuck with you? Uh, so I'll sh- I'll tell you the ones that I uh, that I will continue to see as long as they will play and they're worth seeing, Fleetwood Mac, right? Jesus. And now I don't know that I want to go see them if Lindsay's not playing. I know I need to see. And Lindsay. I don't want to go see him if if Stevie's not there. True. But if Stevie and Lindsay are there, I mean, it's it's a magic. It's a magic show to totally. watch to watch them. Totally. That's um, a journey. That's a ride. Yeah. If as long as Motley Crue is. You know, as long the as, as they're not mailing it in, yeah. yeah. We, see, now I had tickets to go see them also in San Diego, but then why the fuck they're not touring on their own? But they're touring with Joan Jett and Poison, and it's like I don't want to go see those people, yeah. right? Um, but I go see Crew sure. again. Like sure. they, there's probably no band that I've seen more than Crew, prob- yeah. and that's because of how many times I saw them when I was young. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so. Uh, the Eagles. Oh my God! Right, they're the best. That, that's the best live concert I've ever been. The to. Eagles, Carol King, like uh, Elton John. Elton John. I mean, I say, I've seen Elton. I can't tell you how yeah. many times. You know, so uh, and it's not just the old timers. I would go see. I would go see relatively new people as long as I enjoyed it and I enjoyed being with the crowd. I don't want to be with a crowd that is a bunch of idiots. Right. Right. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not past yeah. that. I don't want to be with a bunch of idiots. Totally. No, I you get know. that. Um, but yeah, so I'm really waiting. I'm really waiting to see who, who starts to go back on tour mm-hmm. right now. Mellencamp. I mean, I love Mellencamp and Mellencamp and um, uh, what's his name? Oh, hell. Oh, uh, East Street Band. Um, oh, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. They just, they just. Re- Did you see the new video? I've, I've heard, I've heard a lot about this. Yeah, it's interesting. It's supposed to be really pretty. It's interesting. Cool. Bruce doesn't quite even look like Bruce. Yeah. Like, I had to look and go. Wait a minute, that's Bruce, right? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and I met him in Paris. No kidding. Yeah. And I got he signed a bunch of stuff for Rhiannon. That's for me. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And great guy. It's, it's weird seeing. Fan. It's weird seeing these people age because you clearly see yes. the same age you know what yes, i mean like yes, we're in yes, cat yes. we want them to be encased in amber for the rest of their life so when you see you know an older motley crew or you see an older rolling stones or a bruce springsteen you say well that's weird but you close your eyes 
the voices are still there. Yeah, it's good. They still sound it's good. Exactly and and the if same. you look at Bruce, if you look at Mellencamp, those guys sing about things. Yeah. Right? They're, the they're, stories. They're, they're sing about things. And 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 here's where magic really happens. They will have the thing that they're singing about, but you will have the thing that it means to you. Yeah. Right? That's so that's when lyrics transcend humanity. Yeah. Right? That's that's magic to me. That's mm-hmm. that's divine to me. That is music is is here f- to do something for people, you know, not just uh, be something that's irrelevant. It's, yeah. it's very important. It's it's your church, man. It's, it's your important. church. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think though the only one that I would add to your list is is a concert that you actually we went to together was the Bob Seger oh. farewell tour. Yes. You want to talk about a guy who can tell some stories. And we were, you know, front row. Of course, you nagled the shit out of that. We were right there, Stone Throw almost caught almost caught a drumstick or a Guitar pick or something, or maybe it was his t-shirt, sweaty ass. It was the sweaty bandana. Oh my god! Chick behind us, right? Yes, she was like so excited. We were like, like, yeah, we just we ducked away from it. But that the storytelling that went along, I was actually crying. You know, when he was playing like Main Street, I was like, oh my god, I'm sitting here and the music's just blasting you back. You feel so good. But yeah, definitely love me some Eagles. I've never seen Motley Crue, but that would be a that would be a killer one to definitely take in. If they tour alone. We'll yeah. go. Yeah. It's just when they be. throw, yeah, when you when you throw a bunch of bands together, rock the 80s, you yeah. know, this kind be, of shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is this. There's, it's one thing to see them, but then you have to take into consideration, like, what is the crowd that's going to be there? Well, if it's just crew, it's going to be guys our age mostly. Yeah. The kids can't afford to sit in those front row seats anymore. That's true. So it's people that have, that have yeah. some geech. That are our yeah, age yeah. That, that'll go see True. it, you know. So it's pretty, you know, that's pretty decent. I just don't want to go to things where somebody's going to slam me around or we're going to get yeah. in a fight. Like don't I'm not need any. That. I don't need any mosh pitching. I'm going there for fun. No, I'm not going there for confrontation. Right. I lost my I lost my glasses in a mosh pit once at a Gin Blossoms concert. I'm never going down there again. And yes, I said Gin Blossoms. They are not a mosh pit band. Um, classic rock. I hear this phrase classic rock a lot. Yeah. And this is how I know I'm getting old. They were talking about classic rock the other day, and I swear they were playing like Guns N' Roses. And I don't consider Guns N' Roses classic rock, but then again, they popped in the late 80s. Here we are, the late 80s, when I say that. That's like 30-some years ago, so yeah. that's been a long time. Yeah. What is your take on the whole phrase of classic rock? That's and What does it mean? It, so, to you, it's 70, yeah. 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 It, it, I agree it, with you. It, it stopped at 79. Any rock after that, you have hair bands, metal. you have grunge, you have metal. Okay. Classic rock is is like 1980 yes. and earlier. So Not even 80, When they're doing classic and rock and I hear, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, I'm like, no, no. I'm done with you. No. Moving on. No, no more of that shit. No, that's that's metal, that's heavy metal, that's grunge. That's, well, I don't think that they're grunge, but yeah, there's the different genres yes, of with, rock that transformed right. between, say, 1980 and 2000. You have a, this whole thing in there, like it's a it's a giant mess. But Thank there's some you great music in for there for validating me there because that would drove me freaking crazy. Absolutely. All right. So as we finish this up, I think I know the answer to this one, and I'm sure our listeners probably do as well, just by listening to this episode. If you could see one act in concert that you have yet to see, who would it be? Zeppelin. And why? Zeppelin. Just because there's a, the, there's only it's the it's the first. It's, yeah, it's, because I'm not because because. I had tickets. I still have the tickets from when they were supposed to play at Chicago Stadium in 1980. My aunt, no, not my aunt. Was she my aunt? My aunt. My aunt. Yes, my aunt. My, I, I sometimes I get this confused in my mind because she's so close to me in age, even though she's passed away now. She got me and my two cousins Zeppelin tickets. And we were young, right? So I was, so that would have been what? It would have been 14, 14 years old. Yeah, yeah 14. 14. 
It had been 14. So those tickets were printed, 1980, Chicago Stadium, Bonham died. The, the, the tour never happened. Oh, man. But we got the tickets. And the only way that you could get those tickets, and people, this is why it's kind of funny, because people will sell these tickets. The only way you could get them was through the radio then. They hadn't released them. Oh, wow. So a company re-released those tickets about five years ago. But I have both. I have the re-release, and I have the tickets that we actually got. The and originals. I have them framed, the originals. I have oh, my framed. God. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen those. Yeah. Are those in your man cave? Um, the w- one set I gave to my son. Okay. I gave the new set to my son. But, but the, the old school. But the original the ones, I think they're hanging down there. That is so cool. Is Zeppelin touring at all? Do they do shows still? No, no, they're done. They're, they're done. done. So, so yeah. it's, a re- it's a really fucked up situation. When John Bonham died... Whatever the deal was with Robert Plant, he just wanted to go on his own. Went with him. And the, the, well, for whatever reason, Paige was really no good outside of Zeppelin. That was his thing. True. Um, very talented musician, very creative, but I think mindset-wise, for some reason, he got stuck in that Zeppelin was his purpose. So they reformed a few times two or three times, that weren't all that great. One was for the 40th anniversary of Atlantic Records. One of them was for Live Aid. Um, And then they finally did a formal reformation at the O2 concert in in 07, at the O2 arena in London in 07. And uh, Jason played drums. So it was the three original members and John Bonham's son, Jason, who played drums. And they did a fantastic job. They had something like 10 million tickets. They did, an, they did a, a, a lottery, and 10 million people applied wow. for tickets. Um, and uh, like only so many could, could actually go. And I mean, I tried to get tickets. I couldn't, I couldn't get tickets, and I didn't know anybody at the time that could get me tickets. It was, very, it was like the hottest ticket ever to try to get to that sure. thing. And that was it. That was it. There was this big, huge deal. There was a rumor that Richard Branson offered them a billion dollars to go on tour, and Robert Plant said no. And wow. then he went back out with Alison Krauss, and he got the Grammy, and now he just did a new Alison Krauss. I mean, he's he's yeah. beautiful with Alison yeah, Krauss. Yeah, totally. No question. But there's something there between him and, and Paige. Sure. There's something happened in, in their career that he just he won't go back out and do that again. Yeah, you just know? goes to show you what the Stones are doing. Right. It's very impressive. And, and listen. Yeah. Jimmy Page is Jimmy Page. Like he could have done something again if he wanted to. I don't know why he didn't. Didn't feel like it was the right. thing for him. His dream was Zeppelin, and that was it. And he's really cultivated in a way where he's he's redone all the music. He's 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 created everything in a way where it'll last for a long, long time after he's gone. And um, he has he has he's one of the very few musicians that has pushed all stories away from the sex and the drugs and just kept it about the rock and roll. He wouldn't even answer questions about the other stuff anymore. And a new biography was, um, uh, a documentary was just released about the first two years of Zeppelin. Mm. And it was released at, at the, I think it was at the Venice Film Festival. Okay. And Jimmy Page was there with his girlfriend Scarlett and it was a huge hit and it's supposed to be coming out relatively soon. But my understanding is, is it's just about the music. It's basically about, it's either about just the first album. I think it's just about the first album, right? So it was the cultivation of that first album, them being on tour. 
and that's it. And maybe something else will come out later on. He's hinted that there would be a biography released posthumous, right? But sure. it was the only way that he would be able to tell the truth is if he did it and then he died. Got because it. then that's kind of the final word. In wow. It. He used to answer questions about the drugs and stuff, but he doesn't. No he hasn't done for 20 years. No more. He hasn't answered anything. All right. Well, I think that drops the needle on this episode. I appreciate the time. This has been fun. Wait we'll a minute. Do it again. Wait a minute. No, yeah. no. You don't get off that easy, fucko. <laughs> I, I what think, would be the one you'd go I to see? I think for me, I think it's the good news is, is they're still touring. I think it would be Motley Crue, to be honest with you. Andy I mean, Crue. I was a huge fan of theirs. I had all their I had all their tapes growing up. I absolutely loved them. I remember driving around town just blasting Shout at the Devil as loud as I freaking could. It would pump me up. I was you know, gone, gone through all the theater of pains. I kind of dropped off after, you know, a few years there. Uh, but I loved them. I loved everything they did. I, I chewed up their books. Would you know. Steph go to that concert? You know what? I don't know. I It would... It would have to be a VIP box. She doesn't know any of the music, though, right? <laughs> she knows, yeah. She, she does, does know their music, but she's she doesn't. She's more of a James Taylor. She's yeah. more of an Allison Krauss. Yeah. She's more of a sit down and just enjoy it. She loved she loved going to Fleetwood Mac. She loves Elton John. You know, she loved Seeger. But I feel like when you get into that too edgy, heavy too, hard rock and yeah. roll. She's out. Well, I'm just wondering, like, if I get tickets, how many tickets I should buy? I, I think <laughs> maybe, yeah. I think you know what? We would force her to go because I think she would get a kick out of it too. But that's that would be mine. Thanks for calling. Thanks for holding me accountable. You bet. All right, needle dropper out. Thank you. Yep. Hey everyone, BT, that's a wrap. Thanks for sticking with us here on another Full Throttle Thursday. Do us a favor, leave a comment down below and let us know some of your favorite music and your favorite concert experiences. You might be asking yourself, what does this have to do with a successful mind? All of these people we talk about, they go through the same things that you and I go through. They've just found a way to persevere and they did it this episode through music. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. Rock on! Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.